James is, uh, and his family are doing what they do when they're not here. And guess what that is? Soccer. Soccer. Yeah, they're off, uh, I think, in Melbourne area for the weekend. So uh, he punted in my direction, and I actually caught it on the fly. So here we go. All right. Okay, let's pray real quick, and then off we go into uh, what I think will really be a beneficial time for all of us today. Well, Father, we love you. Thank you for an incredible opportunity the body of Christ to be together. We don't take that lightly. We know that according to your word, where two or more are gathered in your name, you said there you are in the midst of them. Well, Lord, I don't know all that that means, but I, I know that you live inside us, but there's something about community that you're all about, something special about the body of Christ coming together. And so, Lord, we want to walk in that, in the, in the liberty, the joy, the freedom, the benefit, the, the love, the the partnership that we share in the faith. So, Lord, be blessed here in our presence and as we are blessed in yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So glad you're here. Everybody all right? Yes. Well, I have spent uh, a good portion of the last week working on my garage. Um, We've lived in this home for 13 years, and not once have I really made much attempt to try to keep that thing in control other than every now and then taking stuff out and putting it back in. And, and the, you know, the piles really don't diminish. And, and we got to the place where there was one passageway from the garage opening to the utility door. And for some reason, everybody uses that passageway. Nobody goes to the front door. I, I don't get it, but that's the way we operate. In fact, I don't even know that I have a key to the front door. So if I can't get the garage door to open, I'm in big, big trouble. Well... Uh, my boys are all uh, car aficionados and motorcyclists, and so we have had um, eight mopeds, two motorcycles, and um, uh, bins of car parts and motorcycle parts that you can't imagine why anybody would keep such a thing all over the place. So it's been an absolute mess. So I finally came to the place, place to say, fellas, enough is enough. I want to get my lawnmower in my garage. I'm, I don't even have faith enough to get a car in. I just want my lawnmower in my garage. So uh, we, we rented a pod, took everything out, couldn't get it all in, used our lanai to put some of the mopeds back in the, uh, on the lanai. And, and so uh, with the ultimatum that when I'm done, fellas, it's not going back in there. It's going someplace else. I don't care where that is, side of the street or somebody else's house or someplace, but not here. Enough is enough. Well, we finally, finally made it, and uh, I painted the walls, did the floor with epoxy and all that kind of stuff, and, and I do have a picture. I, I actually thought about showing it, but I don't have my phone with me. So that's, it's as good as a grandchild, you know. I actually have a, a, a garage I can stick a car in. Whether or not I ever do it, I don't know, but I can brag about it. So I've been a busy fella, and this has just been part of my construction exper- uh, experience. All right? That's just the way it is. Okay, this morning I want to, um, I want to talk about uh, the subject of stress, because I'm absolutely convinced that if we don't get a handle on this thing, the body of Christ, as much as we pray for healing, we won't experience healing unless we understand stress and its root. It's, uh, it's an absolute killer. Uh, the more I've studied it, the more I've spent time on it, the more I realize that uh, its effect on me, its effect on family members, on people I care about, effect on you. And we can counsel and counsel and counsel and give good news and 
and state this and state that and speak this and speak that. But unless we understand where stress is coming from and deal with it, it's going to stay there and it's going to rob us of life, quality of life, and leads to incredible destruction. Okay? So you with me? Anybody had stress? Anybody have stress? All right. We're in good company. Uh, I, did, I missed that. What was that? <laughs> you don't have stress. I wish you'd come up here and teach then. You're far better than me. I've had plenty of it. By the way, do you remember back in the 80s, uh, Mel Brooks' movie, High Anxiety? Did you remember that? Well, you ought to watch it. If you, maybe you don't like Mel Brooks. He's pretty crude. But, uh, but the movie was pretty hilarious, which, which made fun of stressful society and how everything is under incredible stress. High anxiety and all that. And it was comical, but oh my gosh, there's nothing really funny about stress itself. It, uh, it really takes this incredible toll. Webster calls stress means to press, to urge, to distress, to put to difficulties. Well, that's lightly said in my opinion. The word calls, uh, uses a word similar to stress called afflictions. Anytime you see the word afflictions, it's kind of similar to what we understand stress to be. It means pressed down, burdened, or in despair. Sounds pretty accurate, doesn't it? All right. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to that. Otherwise, just write it down. You can look at it later. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. For, Paul speaking, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. The trouble which came to us in Asia. Now listen to what he says here. That we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Have you ever been there? Burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, he talks about that burden beyond measure, above strength, even that we were to the point of despairing of life. Uh, he says, even the sense of death in ourselves, that we couldn't trust ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Uh, so Paul understood some aspect of stress. Here is the man who's taught us, for the most part, grace. He also understood stress and was under it. Uh, doesn't mean there, that there's necessarily balance to strike, having stress and grace. No, 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 no. We want to need to overcome stress. We want to defeat it. So let's talk a little bit about the effects of stress. Uh, you probably don't need to be reminded too much of this, but these uh, medical doctors have attributed stress to the following lists. Mental and emotional fatigue, drug and alcohol dependency, loss of appetite, high blood pressure, physical weariness, frequent headaches, stomach ulcers and digestive complications, heart disease, hypertension, migraine headaches, insomnia, depression, anxiety, based on psychological illnesses, anger and temper issues. That's a pretty sizable list. And the list goes on and on and on. From a spiritual standpoint, stress causes us to operate in hopelessness. That's not healthy, is it? Fear, intimidation, Loss of purpose and direction in life, false sense of identity, anxiousness, nervousness, and distrust, openness to temptation, openness to deception. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty rampant, ugly thing that, uh, that stress is and, what it, and how it affects us. Uh, here's a series of, of Christian doctors have really, really studied this. And uh, I hope it doesn't bore you. But uh, I'm going to list off some statistics from these doctors concerning stress and concerning how it affects not only us physically, but a whole economy, all right? Up to 95%, this is according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, Stanford University Medical School and others. 
up to 95% of all physical and non-physical health problems, 95%, is that high or low number? High number. 95% of all physical and non-physical health problems have stress as their origin, according to the doctors, these medical doctors, 95%. Dr. Bruce Lipton from Stanford University says that the primary cause of stress, and you ought to write this down, the primary cause of stress is wrong beliefs. Wrong beliefs. Does it matter what you believe? You better believe it does. You better believe it does. Um, so if you're operating in a, in a routine of stress, it's usually based upon wrong beliefs. Okay? All right. Let's, let's find out how this wrong belief affects us. When you have wrong beliefs, it causes you to misinterpret your circumstances as threatening. Wrong beliefs cause you to misinterpret whatever circumstance you're going through as threatening. And when it's threatening, you know what it does to your system? It causes you to enter into a fight or flight mode, right? Now I'm going to step away from this and just walk through some things. Um, God set up your system to do that. So that's healthy, to step into a fight-or-flight mode, it's a, a, a preservation or, or, or defense of your personal well-being in case something is really threatening against you. All right? The problem is, if your system is staying in that mode, all of your uh, healthy attributes move toward this fight-or-flight. No, cells aren't growing. They're not stimulating one another. They're defending. And that's what weakens and tears down and, and, and immobilizes your entire system, right? All based upon wrong beliefs. If you're believing wrongly, you're interpreting your circumstances wrongly, and you're interpreting them as threatening, and you may not even know it. You might not even think about it as being threatening. It's not a conscious thing. All you know is all of a sudden your system is tight, you're taut, you're, you're, you're worried, you're, you're, in, you're, you're concerned, you're uptight, you're, you know... I can get that way on I-4. You know? So, uh, identify. Can somebody shut that door, please? Back there. Thanks. Wall Street Journal says that uh, stress-related illnesses have exceeded 15% of our gross national product. That's a ton of money. There's evidence, according to uh, these doctors that I've mentioned, that genetic diseases originate somewhere in the family tree because stress has damaged the genes of our ancestors. They develop patterns of thinking, and they've accepted certain things about themselves and about their family, which are wrong beliefs, and that has set their, their whole system into operation that is detrimental to the whole family tree. The good news is, is when those wrong beliefs have been identified and corrected, the genes themselves had a tendency to heal, according to these doctors. They can heal up. These strongholds, these so-called curses, can be broken. They don't have to continue on through the family tree. Why not stop with you, right? Why not? And isn't, wouldn't you believe that that's God's purpose for you? All right. I do too. 
internal stress caused by deeply held wrong beliefs, causing us to interpret circumstances as threatening when in actuality they aren't, causing that fight-to-flight syndrome. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can move on down through some of this. Um, I've already talked through some of this, so I'm just going to walk right through it. Isn't it amazing how just a few words, and I've already passed three pages. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's walk into what God's remedy is. Um, I, I guess I could have painted the picture more, but, I, uh, but you get the idea. 95% of all health-based issues, illness-based issues, probably is a better way of saying it, stress-related. All right? A huge issue. And stress is based upon wrong beliefs. What is God's remedy for stress? In Psalms 46, uh, one of the best antidotes, I believe, uh, and if you're, if, you're giving, uh, if you're writing notes down, God's remedy for stress, the first point I would say is consider the God factor. One of the best antidotes to stress is seeing God's purpose in the difficulties that is going on in your lives. And um, if your system of belief considers God as arms crossed, from a legalistic standpoint, arms crossed, not confident or accepting of your behavior, therefore you're, uh, he's, uh, he's demanding that you perform at a certain level in order for acceptance to be occurred and all that. And I, I don't, can't imagine anybody here in this room uh, hearing much of James' teaching still lives in that. But we all still have our battles. I know that. We, we still are having our minds being renewed all the time concerning truth. But if there's any held, wrongly held beliefs concerning God, we're going to interpret circumstances poorly. Now, that, that really comes to a time of testing, especially when health comes. A doctor gives a diagnosis that's not favorable or, or that's very challenging, to say the least. Your boss lets you go. Your house is not getting, being built on time. Banks are working uh, against you, and uh, you get a letter from an attorney. The IRS contacts you. You've got issues. Uh, all of a sudden... Or, or even a close family member, something happens, they go wayward, or something happens, uh, there's an accident, or, you know, um, immediately we begin to determine, make a determination as to where that leads. I don't know about you, but my tendency is to go much further than what usually ever happens. I take it to its furthest extent. Oh my gosh, it could lead to this, 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 this. I don't even have to, people suggest what that could lead to. I, I go there far before anybody can suggest them. I have a tendency to do that. Tammy doesn't do that. My wife, she's just amazing to me. When our son Tim had Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, before it was diagnosed, he was just a little toddler, our second oldest child, when we lived in Oklahoma. He was in a comatose state, semi-comatose state, had got where he couldn't walk, high fever, and had, had rashes, and, and the doctors had no idea what was going on. They couldn't figure out, couldn't figure out. And then finally, several days into, into the hospital experience, uh, and, and the doctors were giving us no hope, they finally started asking some questions. Have you ever been, has he had a tick removed or something like that? Or has it been a spider bite? There's been something. They started going those routes because they were checking, they checked for spinal meningitis and all those kinds of things. And the fact of the matter was, it's, Tammy said, well, yeah. You know, that weeks ago, there was a little tick in his scalp, a little tiny thing that pulled out. He says, okay, 
they immediately took him and took him to the to the children's hospital there in Oklahoma City, and uh, and sure enough, it was Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and they uh, interferon, I think, is what they used, a, a pretty high powerful medicine to go at him. They and they warned us about the ramifications of the medicine, and would you rather have a child with with dark teeth and this and that and some slow behaviors, things like that, or would you rather have a dead child? That was their that were their choices with us. And of course, you know, golly, do, do what you got to do. And my, my tendency was just to find a place where I could curl up and go to sleep so I could let some of this time go by because I could not handle this. My wife constantly engaged, asking the nurses when they're coming in, what, what they're doing, what the, what the doctor in. She was able to keep track of everything that was going on and things that were duplicated she caught and all that. And I'm curled up over in the little fetal position just trying to survive. It's amazing how we each have our own ways of dealing with things. But, you know, I had wrong-held beliefs because I, I really didn't know how to trust God for my son. I'd never been there. Didn't know how to do that. Trying to. Knew to do that. But doing it was a whole other thing. And so I was operating at high levels of stress at that time. Psalms 46 says that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our present help in trouble. I need not fear. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I am to be still and know that he is God. Um, Boy, that is so important as life goes on. If you haven't gone through a major stressful time, you will. And if you haven't gone, if you've gone through one, there might be another coming along. You know, just, and that's the way life happens. It rains on the just and the unjust. Life experiences can be very challenging. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in him is everlasting strength. You know, I've, I know this, and you know this, in Philippians 4 9, that peace is a part of God's nature. God's peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. So if I'm not at peace, if I'm, if I'm not at rest, I've got some faulty thinking. My, my belief system is askewed. I'm not trusting at the level I can and I should. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall what? shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yes. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, waiting on the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? What did you say? Having faith. What did you say, reader? Reference. Okay. Yes. Huh? To listen. Yeah. Yeah. To rest. To be at peace. Yes. Yes. And that, I think that's the product of it. Now, waiting is the, is the so-called discipline or the, or the, the, um, the exercise of trusting God, trusting Him, waiting on Him. And it, 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 it is a decision maker that we have to make. I'm going to wait on God on this. 
I'm not going to press forward and do this on my own, even though I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do I've done that in the past. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust you in this occasion. I'm going to wait till I get your perspective on this before I draw my conclusions. Right? I believe waiting on the Lord is an incredible spiritual battle. Uh, exercise of spiritual warfare. Choosing not to determine or, or draw conclusions on this circumstance based upon what my gray matter tells me. It normally leads me astray, to be quite honest. Because I have faulty belief systems that draws pictures in my mind, and the pictures in my mind are not favorable. This is not going in a favorable way. Um, you're studying for a test, young person. And it's very difficult. And your mind goes in, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, 20 minutes into a two-hour study, and all of a sudden you decide, oh my gosh, I'm not getting this. Why, why the use? Why do I keep after this? I'm, the heck with it. You know, right? Have you done that? So, waiting on the Lord, trusting in Him because He renews our strength. He, he is what, exactly what we need. It doesn't mean inactivity, crash and burn, laziness. It's not what waiting on the Lord is. All right. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is our stress bearer. Promises to carry the weight of our fears and anxieties. And to remove them. In James chapter 1, verse 2 and following. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One of the best antidotes to stress is seeing God's purposes in the difficulties we're going through. If you have a wrong belief system about God, you're going to have a very difficult time maneuvering your way through uh, this minefield of circumstance. And stress lodges itself in wrong beliefs. Uh, Lord, I know you love me, but... uh, uh, I'm pretty sure this is pretty much up to me. I'm the one that caused this scenario. I'm the one who uh, signed the contract. I'm the one who made the commitment. I'm the one who co-signed with so-and-so. I'm the one who, I'm the one who, I'm the one who. And uh, all of a sudden you just, you just pull yourself away from the empowering presence of God. Waiting upon him to get his perspective. Um, did I tell you the story when I was in Fiji? Have I did I tell you about my time in Fiji? Um, I was in, for two weeks, I was in Fiji back in the uh, 2002, 2003, uh, with, a, uh, with a troop of uh, pastors and leaders and business people uh, scouting out a move of God in Fiji. What an assignment, right? Who would pass that up? Ten days. I'm in the island of Fiji. And... Um, Several days into that tour, and every day we'd, we'd take a bus several hours to an outlying village, and we'd sit down with them, and we'd hear their stories about uh, this incredible move of God, where the chief himself becomes overwhelmed by the love of God and, and, and humbles himself before the people, accepts Christ as Lord and Savior, and, and shortly thereafter, the entire village just becomes Christianized. They, they come into faith. 
if the chief does, the people do. It, it was amazing. It was just, it was so fun to hear these conversations. And the power of God being so clearly evident. A reef that Jacques Cousteau had, had uh, and his team had, had declared as dead. And, and within, within one year's time had come back to life. It had been dead for decades. Had come back to life one year's time. And they trusted and depended on that reef to survive. And what can you attribute it to except the people coming into the presence of God and this kingdom begins to exercise through them and everything changes around them. Even the soil was growing vegetables that couldn't grow before. I mean, it was just phenomenal. It really was. And we were documenting all of this. I mean, how much fun is that on camera? All right. Have you ever seen the transformation videos by George Otis Jr.? That's what we're doing. All right. I was part of the George Otis group there in Fiji. And uh, even the political realm was, was dramatically transformed. Their platforms of running for office was declaring their, their faith and trust in Christ. You know, this is who I am. This is how I, this is how I make decisions. I can do no other. And, and the people are voting for those people. Thank goodness. You know, they're, they're in their right minds. Anyway, very, very neat. So I'm there for, uh, for these number of days, about three or four days into this uh, ex- uh, Fiji experience. And uh, on, a, on a bus, and this fellow plops down next to me. His name is Ford Taylor. Ford is from Kansas City, uh, Missouri. Uh, yeah. Missouri. Drain damaged. Drain damaged. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Ford sits next to me. I hadn't met Ford. This is the first time I've seen him. He'd, he'd come in late. He had arrived late. <laughs> sits next to me. We hit it off. This guy's from Texas. He'd been a, a wealthy businessman. Had, had God had begun moving in his heart, became uh, understanding things of the prophetic nature, and, and would now is dedicating himself almost full-time in ministry, just doing enough business to, uh, to make a living. But he was doing, what, little time he was spending in business, he was making more than when he was a wealthy businessman, so he could spend 80%, 90% of his time in ministry. Anyway, it was just it was phenomenal. Just a very, very neat guy. So uh, one, one morning, we're, I was sitting next to him, and, and he said something that just stirred me up. It riled me up, actually. It caused me to be a little bit disturbed. And, and I wasn't disturbed at him. I was disturbed at what he was telling me. So I, uh, so I said, Ford, I said, would you, mind, would you mind just staying behind today and, um, uh, and let me be your tour? Instead of us going on this tour to this next village, would you just let me be your village today? Just something about what God is saying and doing through you is, is tapping into me. And I just, I, would you just spend time with me? He says, absolutely. With a big smile, absolutely, we'll do it. And what was happening was, is I, was I had some wrong belief systems, primarily about me. Not really about God, about me. I'd made some very poor decisions financially. Uh, lost my father's inheritance within day, uh, 60 days of him giving it to me and for my wife and for my children. Absolutely devastating. Um, it was uh, with people that I'd known for 10 years, people I'd gone to seminary with, and they were just making a killing and having a great time, and ministry was going all over the place, and I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker, and 60 days after I plunked in money that I didn't have to invest. You know, I'd never had money to invest before, but now all of a sudden I do. I hand it over, and in 60 days, it comes out as a Ponzi scheme. It's, it is wiped out. It's gone in 60 days. And I'm just absolutely devastated, you know, that what my dad had worked all of his life to save up for me. I lose in 60 days? You've got to be kidding me. How is that possible? I could, hardly, I could hardly work through that. And wasn't really. And now I'm probably 15 years past that, 
and I'm still cringing when I think about that. And um, so whatever that conversation was on that breakfast morning, he was tapping into that. So, you know, Ford uh, said, take a piece of paper and write one, two, three. The first three things that come to mind that give you high levels of stress, identify them. Don't quantify them. Identify them. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, your list could be longer, but just do three. So I did. He says, when you look at them, what, what level from one to ten, ten being the highest, what level of stress does these bring to you? And I, I think I was a ten, ten, nine. It's, it's arbitrary, but it was high for me, all right? And so uh, he says, okay, now we're just going to take a few minutes to find out, to talk about what God thinks about these. What does he say about these? And it was so easy for me to do that because I, you know, I didn't have any problem with God. You know, and, and so I had a problem with me. So we identified that, and he says, okay, now what I'm going to do is we're going to the time of ministry. He said, I'm going to be praying for you, but I'm not praying out loud. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to mess with you. All I want you to do is just focus on what God says about one, two, three. Focus on that. That's all I want you to do. So very quietly, he was in the background praying, and there was an intercessor there, and they were praying. But I never heard them, never, you know, I wasn't being touched on the head or, come out, come out. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> there wasn't any of that stuff that was going on. So, you know, they were ministering uh, to me, but I really wasn't aware of their presence. I was, I was in the presence of God, concentrating fully upon what he was saying about these things. Over, over a period of time, and I think it was about an hour, I'm guessing, you know, when Ford says, Bill, Bill. How are you doing? And I, you know, I wasn't asleep, but, you know, I was, you know, God was really doing a work on me. And so, um, take your list, look at it, what levels of stress, you know, it, it, it dramatically dropped down. Not completely eliminated, but dramatically knocked down. In, in a matter of days, as I, as I spent time with the Lord just concentrating on those things, that those stress levels were removed. Now, that was huge for me, because these were big, big deals for me. Big deals. The final aspect of the story, take three more minutes, was that when I came home, I couldn't sleep at night, because I had this stabbing pain in my toe. And Billy Boy had gout of the big toe. Who gets gout of the big toe? Give me a break. What is that? Never even heard of such a thing. But, uh, uh, but I go to the doctor, not knowing us what it is, and that's, they end up diagnosing that, but, uh, but they take blood work. All right, so they're trying to figure out what's, did you break your toe? Did you stub it? No, I didn't do any of that. I just, it's just, I just can't even sleep. It's boom, 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 just stabbing pain. Well, within a day or two after seeing the doctor, the pain goes away. But I have to go back because they've taken my blood. Now I have to go back for my, my blood reading. Now I've had issues with cholesterol. I've had issues with high blood pressure and things of that sort. And when they read that and took my blood, it was unbelievable how my blood had changed. Unbelievable dramatic change in my chemistry because my thinking had changed because I was trusting in God and I was believing what he said over what I was believing what I had thought and determined based upon my circumstance Um, folks I'm telling you this is not new agey stuff this is God stuff let God speak to you about your wrong belief systems and trust me every one of you have them Every one of you have them. Find out where they are because you'll tra- use the, the stress test all right, to find out what that leads to. What belief system? What, what's causing me to have stress here? What, ask the Lord to show you. Do your list and get God's perspective on that list and see what he does.
what's going to happen is you're going to think differently about life, about yourself, about God, about others. And you'll think differently about circumstance. And your body is going to change. Your body chemistry will change based upon your belief system. God really does want to heal. And I believe that that was part of the package we're given. But things can obstruct all that God has planned for you. Wrong belief systems can obstruct the flow of God to relieve you uh, of these anxieties and pressures and, and issues. And bring you to a place of perfect peace. Perfect rest. I'm not perfect yet in those things. I'm perfect in what Christ has made me. But I'm not experiencing the perfection of all of that yet. And in some ways, that's good because I've got a journey. I'm, I'm walking and growing and learning, and my mind is still being renewed. I'm still discovering that I still have systems that have to be dismantled in order to walk free. It's good. And we can help each other. And I think uh, when, you're, when you're spending time in life groups and all, take time to investigate some things with people that you really love and trust. And let them help coach you through uh, these areas of really discovering what God says about circumstance, about certain areas of belief. Amen? It's good stuff, isn't it? It's very good stuff. Okay, let's pray. Steve, why don't you pray for us? Close this out. Is all right? Amen. Amen. God bless.